Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us today on this Thursday. What a fun show. We've got planned for you today as we've got some Derek Whitehead injury news to get to. We'll talk about the upcoming season for Duke men's basketball and more. It is the eve of the football season starting, but we're always talking Duke basketball here on Lockdown Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, as you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Also, make sure that you follow and subscribe on YouTube. All the support on YouTube means a lot. We're getting closer to 500 subscribers and certainly do appreciate the support over there. As I welcome in my good buddy, Brendan Marks of The Athletic. Brendan, the month of September is here and we've got basketball to talk about. I hope that you're doing well. Yes, absolutely. No, it's uh, we, we're, you know, everybody hibernates during the winter. We hibernate during the summer. So we're finally <laughs> getting back to basketball season almost and uh, can't wait for it to get started. So it said earlier, this is the last month without Duke basketball. You've got countdown to craziness officially. That will be in uh, October, obviously. And then real preseason camp opens up and that sort of thing. So uh, it feels like it's been a while since we were able to get to the starting line for Mike Elko's first season in Durham as the football coach. And we're almost to that starting line for John Shire's first season as the Duke men's basketball head coach. Yeah, whole new era at Duke, right? I mean, and, <laughs> I, and I think that, you know, you look at the direction Duke's going and it's hard not to be excited, but when was the last time there was miss, this much uncertainty around, you know, Duke sports, Duke athletics in general? Um, you know, it's fascinating. It's exciting. There is some unknowns. There are some questions, and that's what makes it exciting. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with Mike Elko this season. Um, by all indications, I, I think he's going to do as well as he can. You know, it's obviously an uphill climb, but you got to start somewhere. And um, not as much of an uphill climb for John Shire. He's stepping into a pretty a pretty cushy seat. So, uh, But still, it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great to be the Duke men's basketball head coach. I can only imagine. I mean, it's so great that a man decided to hold the position for 42 years. That should be reason enough as to how good that job must be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I can't even imagine how many people generally hold, hold the same position for 42 years. Nonetheless, Great. one that is that public-facing. <laughs> so, uh, And that man is still going to be around. That man is still going to be in the picture. So I'll be interested to see how he sort of factors into everything. But, um, no, it's a, it's a whole new era for Duke Athletics. And, um, you know, probably not a bad thing coinciding with the rest of the start, you know, a new era for the rest of college athletics in general, do going into a new era. Um, you know, let's, let's see how the chips fall. I, I think I, I don't know the Twitter user to give the proper shout out here, but I think it was a few weeks ago. I do want to give some love. Someone spotted coach K in his vehicle on the interstate around Durham. And it kind of blew up their reaction there. 
And uh, it was just a fun moment to be like, yep, still living his best life, still going around town, still driving a vehicle like Coach K's doing big things. Yeah, the few times I've been on campus this summer, I, I always go and, you know, I'll be walking my dog or whatever. And I go and I look to see, is his car there? You know, is he <laughs> is he actually is he actually gone? Is he taking time to himself? And uh, I think I've only seen it once or twice. But uh, John Shire's car is there every day. I can tell <laughs> yeah. you that. John, John Shire is certainly putting in the hours. <laughs> Showing up to work. That's what we love to hear. So, all right, on this Thursday, we do actually have Duke basketball news uh, this week. Derek Whitehead suffered an injury. What's the latest, Brendan? Yeah, so uh, on Monday, um, essentially during the team's practice, scrimmage, warmouts, you know, what you want to call it, uh, Derek Whitehead fractured his right foot, had to have a procedure done. Um, everything I'm told is that the procedure went well, and it, it looks like he's going to be back, hopefully, if not for the very start of the season, shortly thereafter. Um, foot fractures usually take between six and eight weeks. I'd imagine he's probably closer to the eight week side of that just because of, you know, the potential that he has and sort of where his trajectory is going to the NBA. Um, but no, certainly it's not ideal for Duke. Um, it's going to set him back a little bit. This is, it's interesting because while he has been on campus all summer, it wasn't like he was getting a full go with the rest of Duke's roster because two of the guys he's going to be spending a lot of time playing next to once he's back in Tyrese Proctor and Jacob Grandison were both unable to practice during the summer. Grandison was around. He was able to do some stuff, but um, was still recovering from an injury himself. He injured his shoulder in March uh, and, you know, still working his way back from that. And then obviously Tyrese Proctor was in Australia. Uh, so he's finally on campus and everything. But so there is going to be, I, I think, some gelling that has to happen when Whitehead comes back between those three. They're going to be, you know, three of the primary perimeter players next to Jeremy Roach. Um, certainly not ideal, but also if this had happened two months later, it's a much more serious situation. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the eight-week timeline for this recovery for Derek Whitehead. Again, eight weeks being on the longer end of things for a six- to eight-week injury. It's the start of September now. There are four weeks in a month. We can do them. I mean, that's the start of November. That's right as the season is getting up and rolling. And uh, you got a couple of non-conference games there against smaller competition before that Champions Classic matchup with the reigning national champions in Kansas. Uh, for the rest of the guys on the roster for Duke, they're also impacted by this, like you're saying, because not only is Tariq Whitehead not getting to play with Tyrese Proctor and Jacob Grandison and all those guys, the rest of the Duke roster is missing Tariq Whitehead. Right, and that's and that's huge because, you know, it, in my eyes, I think he's probably going to be Duke's best player this year. Um, I think that, you know, in the eyes of where basketball is headed, both at the college level and the pro level, Having those sort of six six to six eight versatile stretchy wings, you know, he's a guy. He's not he's not necessarily known as a shot maker, known more for his aggression driving to the basket. Um, but it sounds like defensively, he's already been one of Duke's best on ball defenders, which is obviously going to be a hallmark of John Shire's first team. And, and look, you know, I think it can be. This is a situation that can be a blessing in disguise. If you're if you're Jacob Grandison, if you're Tyrese Proctor, all of a sudden. There's a starting spot and probably 30 minutes a game that are up for grabs, at least at the start of the season. So you're looking at a situation. I think you look at how Duke incorporated A.J. Griffin last year, slowly weaned him back in, didn't go too, too hard early on. And sort of, um, you know, during that non-conference slate in December is where he started to get his sea legs under him and then was a full go by conference play. I mean, I, I think the timeline is probably even quicker than that for Derek Whitehead. But these other guys are going to get to play a lot more in his stead. So. Um, you know, Jacob Grandison, Tyrese Proctor, I would imagine would be two of the biggest beneficiaries. And also Mark Mitchell. You know, Mark Mitchell is a guy who comes in as a five-star talent, um, maybe is seeing 
I, I think his reputation coming into Duke was probably as more of an athlete and less of as a finished skilled player. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case. I think Mark Mitchell has really impressed guys during summer. I think that he's looked really good. He's been really energetic, also a great on-ball and off-ball defender. Um, I think those three guys are all going to play a lot more. And then when Dorit comes back, you're talking about guys who have more experience, who have more confidence in themselves um, and can help sort of make that transition a little easier. Brendan Marks of The Athletic here with us on Lockdown Blue Devils talking about the Dariq Whitehead injury for Duke and what the upcoming season looks like, how it's going to impact those things. And we'll continue our conversation here in just a moment on Lockdown Blue Devils. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts including this year's opening week games in college football. And we are now one week away from the start of the NFL season. One week from today, we will see the Buffalo Bills take on the reigning Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams, to get the season started. Duke football gets started tomorrow against Temple, and Bet Online has the Duke Blue Devils favored by a touchdown. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Make sure you head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. We're talking bet online where the game starts. All right, we move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside Brendan Marks of The Athletic. If you've got an athletic subscription, you're absolutely winning because earlier this week, Brendan Marks, uh, you released a sore minutes projection for the Stuke basketball team, and you lead it with the most jarring numbers of them all. No surprise, but the, the minutes played for Duke last season, almost all of them are pretty much gone. Yeah, John Shire is going to be replacing five times as many minutes as he's returning, uh, which is tough when you're a first-year head coach, but that's why he's got 11 new faces in tow. And, you know, turnover is something that's become – sort of familiar every summer at Duke. We're used to seeing whole troves of guys leave, be it to graduation or the NBA or whatever. Um, this is to a different level, though. I mean, 11 new faces is a lot of guys. You're talking about likely four new starters, um, Jeremy Roach being the only guy who's sort of bridging the gap. Jalen Blakes is obviously back too, but didn't have a huge role as a freshman last season. It, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how John Shire sort of manages all these different bodies. And and obviously the Derek Whitehead situation kind of puts that into a little bit more of confusion because you do have somebody who, as I noted in my minutes projection, other than Jeremy Roach, I, I think Derek Whitehead's going to play the second most minutes on the team this year. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who went healthy is perfectly capable of going for 30 minutes. You can play him with the two or the three. Um, you know, he's someone who can defend really down to the one if you need him to. He's got that size. He's got that quickness. Um, so without him, you're talking about an additional 30 minutes up for grabs. You know, is that Mark Mitchell? Is that Proctor? Is that Grandison? Is it maybe Jalen Blake's getting a little more run? Maybe trying to run Jeremy Roach off ball a little bit more. We'll see how it actually looks. But um that, that void is substantial, and and he was sort of the linchpin of what all of these lineups could be um, because you could play him at the two or the three because he can do some creating when he's driving for his own shots. Um, without him, the equation kind of changes, and I think Jeremy Roach a lot more of the offense is going to have to – obviously it's going to be a lot flowing through him, but even more so. And, again, make sure you go to theathletic.com and get a subscription so you can read the story. But, Brendan, I want to give you some praise here because you made a really good point – in the story, reading through it so much 
since the season has ended. And, you know, we've been talking Duke basketball all summer long, looking at what next year's roster looks like. They've got some really talented bigs on the floor. And factoring in those bigs is something that we talk about often. How does the offense flow? How do defensive matchups, um, you know, how do they fit together and that sort of thing? What I never thought about until reading your story was, hey, it's tougher for bigs to play more minutes in a basketball game. You see it every single season. We know that there are 40-minute games. There are five spots on the floor. You can do the math on how many minutes are available out there. But it's so important to make sure your bigs are beneficial in every minute that they're on the floor. And at that position, it's just tougher to play more minutes. So while it might be a strength of this team to have so many bodies, the minutes aren't going to be as high. Right. On an individual basis, they're certainly not. But that means that every guy you do have in the front court is going to see serious time. So someone like Ryan Young, who comes from Northwestern, last year he's a starter. He's someone who's playing a whole ton. He's been one of Duke's best players so far this summer. And the players and the coaches on the staff, they'll all tell you that. He has been consistent. I I mean this in the best possible way. He's a garbage cleaner. Um, (laughs) If if anything anything goes sideways near the rim, he is going to clean it up. He's going to fix it up. but you're talking about you need to create playing time for a guy like that. He needs to be on the floor for 15 or so minutes a night at least, or he's not helping your team to the full capacity that he can. So um, obviously Derek Lively is going to be terrific. I think he's probably going to be one of the best freshmen in the ACC, if not the whole country. Same thing for Kyle Filipowski. Same thing for Mark Mitchell. But um, no, and the other thing that I think people don't maybe necessarily realize is you know, you look at a guy like Mark Williams last year. He's a first-round pick. He's one of Duke's best players. I think you could have made the argument he was Duke's second most important player by the end of the season. Um, certainly top three along with Paolo Bancaro and Jeremy Roach. And yet, at the same time, he's not he's not really playing t- more than 25 minutes a game because of what he's being asked to do. You think about how much rim running those guys are doing. I mean, wow. as soon as they get the rebound, those guys are gone. You know, those guys are going. And so um, it's terrific to have guys like Lively, like Filipowski, like Mitchell, like Young, who can do that. Um, and especially in Young's case, someone who has proven he can do that. But when you're constantly sprinting down the length of the court, you get tired more quickly. Um, so I, I do think that you're going to see a, a pretty steady rotation in the front court. And the interesting thing is all four of those guys can kind of fit together. Um, Young is probably the one, and, and Lively to a lesser extent, they, they've got to be there really close to the basket to be most effective. But Filipowski can play outside. Mitchell can play outside. Heck, you can even put Jacob Grandison at the four if you want if you're going with a small ball lineup. So um, those guys are all going to have to get at least 15 minutes a game. Lively and uh, Filipowski probably a little closer to 25 minutes a game. Um, but having that front court rotation – Last year, Duke had a solid front court rotation. Obviously, you had two of the top 15 picks uh, starting, but you have more depth this time around. And and I think that as a result of that, we're going to be able to see more lineup permutations, um, guys being asked to be put in separate spots. And, And I think that's something that John Shire also pitched all these guys on when he was recruiting them. It's an incredible story that you can read at The Athletic, done by Brendan Marks. And uh, again, a lot of praise for Ryan Young and what he's been able to do so far this summer. I mentioned frequently our good partners over at Bet Online, And if there was betting lines as to who would be the most impressive player so far during the summer, Ryan Young would have been a long shot 
uh, from what we're being told, if there were numbers out there for that. But this is good to hear. Yeah, Ryan Young, I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Derek Whitehead, you know, uh, we got to meet with him and Derek Lively and Jeremy Roach. And, you know, we asked them, we said, who's who's the guy who surprised you the most this summer in a pleasant way? No hesitation, he said, Ryan Young. No hesitation. And, uh, you know, just getting to see him, you know, we saw him at K Academy a little bit. Uh, he's just a grown man. You know, he's, he, he really is. And, and there's something to be said for that. You know, I think you looked last year with Theo John. Theo John was that that was sort of the exact right mold for that team last year. I think this year when you are talking about so many new faces and you're talking about so many young new faces, especially having a guy who's played some serious college basketball before in a conference like the Big Ten. Like think about some of the bigs that Ryan Young had to battle with. You know, he's battling with Kofi last year. He's battling with Hunter Dickinson. He's battling with Trace Jackson Davis like. Those are really, really good basketball players. And so now he's coming in and everything that he's been doing for the past couple of years at Northwestern, he's doing against Lively. He's doing against Filipowski. He's doing against Mitchell in practice. It's making those guys better too. So um, certainly I, I don't know if people expected Ryan Young to do that. I think I think they saw what Theo John was and they think of that role being a little more confined. But um, I think Ryan Young is going to have a bigger impact than that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's September 1st, and we're getting more and more excited about the start of the basketball season, particularly from the Duke angle. And we've got Brendan Marks here with us from The Athletic. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Duke team. Conditioning so important. you got to get your body ready for it. And Brendan's got a good story that we'll touch on here in just a moment. Thank you again for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen every single day. Now for your second listen, Go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. As we said, we are one week away from the start of the NFL season. One week from tonight, we will have Bills and Rams to kick off the year. The Ultimate Football Preview 2022 is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combined into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for the ultimate pro football preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic. We're talking a lot about your work, Brendan, uh, a subscription required to get your great content over The Athletic. What's the easiest way to do that? How can we easily uh, access your work? Yeah, head to theathletic.com. We have multiple promotional offers going on. We've got a six-month offer right now for, I think, a dollar a month. And um, you're not just getting access to The Athletic. You, my stuff on The Athletic, you get everything that you could possibly want. You get national college football coverage. You get NFL coverage. Uh, when the college and, and the NBA season start up, you get all of our basketball stuff. Going down the stretch in baseball, you have MLB. I mean, we we I am biased, but I think that we do have the most comprehensive and probably excellent sports writing staff in the world. So um, you get my stuff. That's that is like the consolation prize. You get everybody else's good work as well. And um, but all of it is right there, theathletic.com. And, and there's uh, promotional offers if you go there today. And tell me why people should follow you on Twitter. I've never directly asked you that question before, but why should people follow Brendan Marks on Twitter? Well, I, I try I try to make it worth their while. Um, <laughs> I, I try to be engaging because, listen, look, I, I understand, and you understand this too, JJ, like our job is fun. 
You know, we talk about sports. Uh, you know, we get to talk about people playing games. We get to talk about something that people are passionate about. And so for me, I always try to have fun with it. I can't try to keep it casual, try to keep it interesting, um, try to find things that people maybe don't know about, like peel back the curtain for fans a little bit. And so um, if you come at me, I'll come right back. Uh, I, I try to be helpful. I'll try to take questions. I love answering reader questions and doing mailbags on Twitter and at The Athletic and um you know, I think Twitter's a really engaging tool when used the right way. And uh, I definitely try not to live on there, uh, but try to be engaging when I am. If you're watching us on YouTube, you see his Twitter handle listed there for our podcast listeners at Brendan R. Marks. Do us a favor and go give him a follow over in that direction. All right. I mentioned this a moment ago, but conditioning is so important this time of year. Every team is getting ready for the upcoming season. And we talk often about how forward-thinking the Stuke basketball program has been. Ever since Mike Krzyzewski took over, they get the big connections with the NBA. They know that, hey, these basketball players, their bodies need to be performing at top caliber to be successful for a long career and that sort of thing. And so sports science has just become such a major part of the Duke basketball program. And tell us a little bit about this latest story that you've got out there uh, the catapult technology, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. This is something I've been interested in for a while. And, you know, I think ever since I started on this beat, I would get questions from readers, uh, you know, whether they were watching on TV or if they were reading a story of mine. And they always ask me, what, what's that thing on the back of their shoulders? You know, what is what do the guys have as a hump? And, and I was always so curious about it myself. And I knew that it had to do with Duke Sports Science staff. But I've always wanted to learn a little bit more about how that works and how it actually looks on a practical basis. And uh, so I had the pleasure over the summer to, to speak with Duke's um, director of high sports performance, Nick Potter, who is, you know, tremendously intelligent. Uh, and also to, to speak with the folks at Catapult just about not only what, what the technology that Duke uses is, but how they use it in a real world sense. So um, the, the Cliff Notes version of it is this. Duke has outfitted both Cameron Indoor and its practice facility with about 25 or 30 nodes. So think of them sort of as like sensors that create a 3D map of the arena. So when the players are wearing these things in the back of their shoulder, it just slips into their you know compression tops, they are able to be tracked in that GPS monitoring system on a real-time basis. So that tracks their positioning, but it also tracks all of their movements. It tracks how many times they're jumping, how high they're jumping, it tracks if they go left, if they go right, to what, you know, are they doing that symmetrically? It tracks how fast they go, how quickly they decelerate, um, all those sorts of things. And it also measures what is their output? What does their heart rate look like? How hard is it for these players to do any specific task? And um, Duke uses it in a bunch of different ways, but, you know, a couple of ones that I included in the story uh, last year, you know, if you think back to the start of last season when Paolo Bancaro and a couple of Duke players were having cramping issues, um, that's something where Duke looked at the sports science behind it. And they said, we know that Paolo Bancaro sweats a lot. Um, and actually they can track it to like a sweat per hour sort of ratio, which is a crazy metric. Like, you know, I've heard of some crazy ones, but sweat per hour is up there. Um, and they can see how much he sweats per hour and what that does to his body in terms of dehydration. So then they go and they look and they say, okay, before the Kentucky game where he cramped up a lot in the second half and missed most of the second half, they can go and look and say, why did that happen? And what they find is that because this was in Madison Square Garden, because it was a new arena that Paolo wasn't familiar with and the rest of the team wasn't, before the game, he went out to get extra shots, to do an extra warm up. Um, so two hours before the game, he gets out there and he's working out by himself basically for a full hour. 
Well, then when that ends, Duke does its warm-up, its official warm-up, which is another hour. So now you've got a guy who has been sweating and working and grinding for two hours. The sweat per hour for two hours of warm-ups is pretty similar to the sweat per hour for two hours of a game. He has already exerted himself as much as he would in the game before it's even started. And so the sports science staff looks at that. They see that this is overkill, and they go, hey, you know, well, you can do some spot shooting. That's totally cool, but we can't have you exerting yourself this much because it's going to put you at detriment for potentially cramping later in the games. And boom, it's fixed. Um, so I, I think it's just super interesting knowing how they use this technology to solve problems, to make their team better. Um, and that was just one example that I thought was really interesting and obviously super smart of Duke to do. And it pays off. I mean, you talk about uh, sort of all the things that they're doing to make sure these players are in prime condition all this technology, everything that goes in it, that's a big financial burden for any athletic program to put in. But for Duke, seeing the results on the court and knowing in the long run what Paulo can take from this time at Duke and now apply it to his NBA career and those NBA teams with their own sports science departments and that sort of thing, I mean, this the, the finances at some point are going to pay themselves off because of the product that you're seeing on the floor. Absolutely. And I think for the kids, that's one of the coolest parts is essentially while they're at Duke from the time they come in as freshmen, you know, that's that's one of the most important parts of bringing in the freshmen in the end of June when they do is to create these baselines for, okay, you know, what does a game look like in terms of workload for Derek Lively? You know, for Mark Mitchell, when he is playing for 20 minutes straight, how taxing is that on his body? You know, if if one of the guys is struggling, you know, let's say we want to get somebody's jumping higher. Um okay, how do we do that? And what does it look like right now? And how much better can it be? You're measuring all of these things over the summer and you build this sort of profile, this player profile with all of their information and their growths over the course of their time at Duke. If you stay for multiple years as someone like a Wendell Moore did, someone like a Mark Williams, that's when you start talking about being able to incorporate the sports science with some biomechanics and to actually make improvements. So, you know, in the case of Wendell Moore, for example, we heard a lot about how much more athletic he got last summer. You know, and, and he changed his gait. He made his running better. The way that Duke did that is through its sports science program. They look at Wendell Moore's athleticism. They look at the force that he generates when he jumps and his measurables, and they go, okay, this guy, this guy should be capable of doing X, but he's actually only getting to 70% of that. Why is that? So then they go and they look at the biomechanics, and they go, okay, we need to change the way this guy runs. And so they do that and they're tracking, okay, you know, in Wendell's case, it was something as small as the angle of his shin. He needed to lean more forward when he was running. Okay, so he starts running forward more. When he starts doing that, you see that he is putting out more workload. And so as he's doing that, it's validation of the biomechanical work he's doing. And at the end of the day, you track it all. And then when these guys go to the NBA, you send the profiles with them. So, uh, you know, the team that is drafting these guys in the NBA is already getting at least a year, if not multiple years worth of data on what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what they've gotten better at, what they still need to work at. Um, it's just an invaluable tool for players getting the most out of their bodies. And I think that, you know, we see that at the NBA level all the time, but certainly, like you said, JJ, for a college program to make this much investment in player conditioning and player performance and making sure they're at their tip top, um, you know, Duke, Duke certainly, they don't stand alone in that regard, but they're at the top level of college college basketball it's awesome and you can't wait to see how it's all going to play out on the floor and real competition and that sort of thing it's september 1st it means that we are 68 days away from the first duke basketball game of the season a little bit easier for me to do the countdown this year that also happens to be my birthday when the season gets started on november Beautiful. 7th for duke so 68 days away 
How is Brendan Marks going to be spending these 68 days? What are some of the ideas and stories that you might have coming your way that you'd encourage people to be on the lookout for? Yeah, JJ, I'll be honest with you. The next month and a half is is as much my favorite time of the year as March is. Um, awesome. You know, those are sort of the two windows that I look forward to the most because going into the season is usually when I get to do some deep dives. It's when I get to sit down with players and coaches and, and really sort of get to pick their brains and find out more about them. Um, last year, that was Paolo Bancaro doing a whole big breakdown feature on how he got to the point he was at. And that really enhanced not just my understanding of him and his journey and what he was good at, but also like, you know, how it, how it projected, how it fit. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing that with some of Duke's players, certainly John Shire. I think, you know, people can't learn enough about this guy. Everybody he's, it's such an interesting case, right? Because he's been in the public sphere, at least as far as Duke is concerned for over a decade now. And yet I do feel like there's still so much that we can learn about him. So um, I'm looking forward to doing some more of that and uh, you know, hopefully getting into a little bit more detail about who these guys are, what makes them tick and how it's going to have an impact for Duke this season. Can't wait to read all of it at The Athletic. Brendan Marks, you're the absolute legend. Thank you again uh, for joining me on the program. It's always fun to catch up. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you having me and, and letting me ramble for so long. <laughs> it's great. It's Brendan Marks. He's joining us here on the program, and he'll be back as college basketball continues to get closer. What a fun Thursday show of Lockdown Blue Devils that was. Again, if you haven't done so, follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making us your first watch and listen every single day. That's going to do it for today's show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.